today. Um, uh, you have uh, heard last week and maybe even gotten a card from us to tell you that we have two exciting things coming up. One um, was the ice cream social for today and then opening our services back next week. And um, I am really sad to make this announcement, um, but we are going to pump the brakes on both of those things. We have um, been talking a lot in the last couple of days with medical professionals that have walked with us through uh, this entire virus, people that we love and trust, people in our church who love and trust you. Um, and, and under their advice, we are going to pump the brakes on doing things in person uh, just for a couple more weeks. So we will not be having our ice cream social tonight, which we're all devastated about. That doesn't mean we'll never have an ice cream social. You better believe as soon as we can, we will. Um, but it does mean we will not meet tonight for the ice cream social, and we will not start meeting in person at Alcoa Middle School next. Sunday. Um, part of the reason for that, just from our staff and um, our just like a, the spiritual piece behind it is we spent the month of June talking about what it means to honor one another, what it means to be people of God and people of honor who honor the image of God in the lives of other people. And so I just want to be really clear that our decision uh, to, to not be together in person is not something that we're doing out of fear. It's not something that we are, are, are doing because we're not doing because we're afraid. It's something that we are not doing because we believe that it is a step of honor. That it, the, the way that we've said it a couple of times is the people that I love most in the world, almost all of them go to our church. And I don't know why I would put you at risk. And, and we believe that there is still risk. So... Um, out of our deep love for you, out of wanting to love you well as your pastors and honor you well as your pastors, as well as honor our community and the school that we meet in well, uh, we we won't be meeting in, serve, in, in person at our Springbrook location. Uh, there is good news, though. Um, the one benefit, we're not the one, there's a ton of benefits of being a multi-location church. Um, and one of the amazing benefits of that is that uh, we can do share things together. So um, we will get information to you. If you are just dying, maybe some of you just need to be in person, and we totally understand that. Um, and if that's you, then we're going to get information out to you about how you can register to go to our Maryville location and worship in person with them. So we love you. If there are questions about this, uh, we're not afraid of having conversations around this, and we understand there might be questions. Um, and so we would love to talk to you about it. You can reach out to me. I'm going to put my email address in the chat. Um, you can reach out to me. You can call the church. You can, you can get a hold of us uh, however you need to. We would love to have a conversation. Um, but here's what we want you to know. We love you and we miss you and we can't wait to be together again. But we, as a step of honor toward you and toward the school that we meet in, um, need to pump the brakes just a little bit. Um, I'm excited about what we have for you today. Uh, the coronavirus ruined some of our plans for the conversation in the Psalms this week, but we're going to pick that up again next week. Um, so this week we're doing something a little wild. Um, I want you to see a sermon that I think 
um, that it's one of those that I'm like, oh, I wish everyone I knew could hear and see this. And so what we're going to do is we're going to play a previously recorded sermon by Aaron McCarter, my boss, the uh, senior pastor of our organization, who I absolutely adore. And so this is a sermon he gave in June. It was actually on Father's Day. So if you hear some Father's Day references, that's what um, that's what it's for. Um, but it was so good that I wanted us to be able to get a little taste of it. So um, don't go anywhere. I can't wait for you to hear from my dear friend and the lead pastor of our whole organization, Aaron McCarter. All right. Well, happy Father's Day, everybody. We are sticking with our series called B-List Stars, and we're looking at some of the less familiar characters in the Bible. If you want to follow along today, we're going to be in Isaiah 22. And man, this one is like really, really obscure. If you know this guy from scripture, then you are officially a Bible nerd and should be congratulated. Today, we're looking at the story of Eliakim. Uh, but before we get to Eliakim, who was great, uh, we have to learn about Shebna, who is very not great. So from the text, Isaiah 22, verse 15. This is what the Lord, the Lord Almighty says. Go say to this steward, to Shebna, the palace administrator. And uh, by the way, the, the palace administrator managed all of the king's affairs. So he was, he was wealthy. He was successful. He was like a full-on, all-the-way big deal. So this is to Shebna, the palace administrator, the Lord says. And this is verse 16. What are you doing here? And who gave you permission to cut out a grave for yourself here, hewing your grave on the height and chiseling your resting place in the rock? So basically, he built a huge monument to himself. All right, so we've got some big ego issues. We've got some pride stuff going on. Back to the text. Beware, the Lord is about to take firm hold of you and hurl you away you mighty man. So a little bit of sarcasm there. He says he will roll you up tightly like a ball and throw you into a large country. There you will die. And there the chariots you were so proud of will become a disgrace to your master's house. I will depose you from your office and you will be ousted from your position. All right. So Shebnam was a big deal, uh, but he was super arrogant and wicked and God decided he was going to take Mr. Fancy Pants here, and I love this imagery. He's going to wad him up like a ball and throw him away. So that's Shebna. Now, on to Eliakim. Verse 20. In that day, I will summon my servant Eliakim, son of Hilkiah. I will clothe him with your robe. So he's addressing Shebna, but speaking about Eliakim. I will clothe him with your robe and fasten your sash around him and hand your authority over to him. He will be a father to those who live in Jerusalem and to the people of Judah. All right, so here's what's happening. Shebna's out and Eliakim is in. Um, and Eliakim, the Lord says, will use his power and his influence uh, to be an example to the entire nation. So he's going to be a father to many. Um, and then... The next verse here, as we think about this, is an almost unbelievable promise that is made to this man. So listen very closely. This is verse 22. I will place on his, and this is Eliakim, I will place on Eliakim's shoulder the key to the house of David. What he opens, 
no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. Now think about that. That's a, that's a huge promise. When I, when I read this, I honestly struggle to even take it in. What, what he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. And, and when I think of this as a father, as I think of this as someone who wants to follow Eliakim's example, I'm struck. I'm struck first by the opportunity here, like the influence, the power to open and shut the doors for people that I love. That's my first feeling. But man, then honestly, right after that, I just feel it. I feel a huge weight. Like that's a lot of responsibility. Uh, there's a reason why the Lord said he, he would put that key that opens and closes doors. He said he was going to put it on Eliakim's shoulder. All right, because that's, that's a weight. That's a big key. That's not going to fit in his pocket. It is, it is a burden. All right. But let me take a second to address that. When, when you're reading the Bible, by the way, it is worth buying a good study Bible or finding a good website with lots of notes because when you do that, you'll get lots of these things called cross-references. And the cross-references will point out um, similar things that you can find in other places in the Bible. Um, and for this verse, the cross-reference is Revelation 3, verse 7. I will read it to you now. Listen closely. To the angel of the Lord in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. All right. So, um, those, those aren't just similar words. Those are the same words. And when you read those words in the context here of Revelation 3, it's really obvious this verse is about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Jesus holds the key of David. Jesus opens the doors that can't be shut. Jesus closes the doors that can't be opened. It's Jesus. And so Eliakim was a figure who was pointing to Jesus. And so as we think about this, the, the, the weight, the responsibility that was both his to carry at the same time, it was also very much so not his to carry. It was both. There's, there's a tension there. Um, and I want us to see that this is the way of Jesus. Uh, he, he challenges us. He entrusts us with great power. And if you think about it, we have great power to hurt people and to heal people. And that's, that's real. That's ours. That's on us. And yet, all along the way, really, it's his. It's not ours. You know, it's both. Uh, our, our yoke is easy. Our burden is light. But it's still a yoke. It's still a burden. But in, in him, it's light. And... So there's a tension there. The weight of responsibility is, is huge. Um, but at the same time, it's light. Um, and we have to feel both of those at once, the weight and the freedom. And if we don't, we will we'll tend to shrug off the responsibility or we'll tend to be crushed by the weight of it. All right, on to the next verse. Um, and this one... This one has been spinning around in my head for weeks now. Uh, verse 23, listen to what the Lord says he will do for Eliakim. He says, I will drive him like a peg into a firm place. He will become a seat of honor for the house of his father. Listen, 
All the glory of his family will hang on him, its offspring and offshoots. So, all right, stay with me. You got to picture this. God said to Eliakim, I'm, I'm going to place you firmly in the wall like a peg. Like picture a, a nail being hammered into the wall. And he says then, the glory of your family will hang off of that peg. It will hang on you, your offspring and your offshoots. He says, anyone who comes into your family will come under your blessing. They will hang from you. And so now for me, this is just like the last verses. This is, this is giving me lots of feelings. A first, a feeling of honor and possibility. Like as a dad, this, this gives me the good kind of pride, man. Like what, what kind of opportunity this gives me to serve the people that I love most in this world. And yet, once again, the weight of that responsibility comes rushing in right behind it. And I think, how, how am I supposed to be a peg in the wall that holds all of that, that holds my family's glory and honor. But I also want you to notice um, that it is God who puts the peg in the wall. God's the one who drives it and secures it in place. It's all His doing. Um, And also, I, I think here's the point where we need to stop and notice the significance of Eliakim's name. Um, Eliakim's name means God will establish. So think about this. God will take a flawed but well-intentioned father and he will make him strong and he will make him secure. He will, he will secure him to the wall. God will establish. So again, with this picture as well, we, we need to feel the weight of this responsibility We need to accept it with absolute seriousness. And at the same time, we need to feel the confidence and the peace that ultimately, I mean, it's Christ alone who makes us secure and strong, who who secures us into the wall. Now, hold on to that image. Um, This weird little passage ends with another warning. And what happens is it goes back to Shebna's punishment for his pride and foolishness. He was the one who was kind of a mess. So verse 25, uh, in that day, and this is referring back to verse 15. This is the day of Shebna's judgment. Um, It says, in that day, declares the Lord Almighty, the peg driven into the firm place will give way. It will be sheared off and will fall and the load hanging on it will be cut down the Lord has spoken. So here's what we're learning here. Um, Shebna was, at one point, he was that firm peg in the wall. And God took it away. And the load hanging on that, pa- on that peg, the, the people that Shebna loved most in the world, his family, they were the ones who paid the price. And I, I know this is heavy stuff, but... We, let's also face it, like this is not at all surprising. Uh, Shebna grew arrogant. Uh, he, he took his place and role for granted. Uh, Shebna was about Shebna. And when God punished him, uh, his whole family crumbled. And I, I know this sounds harsh and it is, uh, but at the same time, we all know this. We, we all know that anyone's failures hurt their families 
the most. This is true of everyone. And God placed Shebna as a, ple- as a peg in the wall. But when his, his pride and his selfishness took over, when he turned away from God, then God pulled out that peg and his whole family fell. Now, um, this has been in my mind for weeks. This picture of, of a godly man as a peg in the wall from which his whole family hangs is so incredibly compelling to me. I read this and I, I immediately thought of my dad, who's not a perfect man. That's not a thing. But, but man, there is no doubt in anyone's mind that he's a peg in the wall. And every offspring and every offshoot has been blessed because of it. And I, I know that most people don't have a dad like that. They're actually really rare. Um, but by the way, if you do, then I'm telling you, today is a day for you to celebrate big, all right, and to pour out honor big. Um, and, it, and if you don't have a dad like that, then I want to encourage you to find peace just in knowing that Eliakim ultimately, remember, was pointing to Jesus. And Jesus is the ultimate peg in the wall who will always be secure and and he invites us all to hang on him you know like i have one of those rare dads but my hope just like with anybody else ultimately hangs entirely on jesus and jesus alone now if you're a dad i i want to challenge you to consider a couple of things um first uh sociology 101 biology 101 bible 101 uh, they all make it like incredibly clear that there are traits that run in families. And we just know this, right? Some of it's genetics, but here's the thing. Some of it's not. Um, sometimes it's patterns of behavior, or patterns of thinking that get passed on. Um, I, I like to say that every, every family has its own propaganda. Don't you think that's true? Its own story about the world. Every family has its own culture. And when God places you as a peg in the wall, then he's, think about this, he's empowering you to look back on those generational trends and then choose which ones you want to carry on and which ones you want to put a stop to. Um, I I don't know if you've ever heard of a genogram, uh, but a genogram is a project where you go back a few generations and look at the lives your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents lived. And here's the thing. If you take the time, you can trace the trends, good and bad. Themes will emerge. You'll find them, good and bad. If you look back carefully, you will almost definitely find anger and addiction and infidelity and divorce and avoidance. Uh, You'll also almost certainly find things like faith and integrity and fidelity and creativity and healthy marriages and on and on each of those lists could go. But here's the thing. Think about this, please. If God makes you a peg in the wall, hear me, then you decide which legacies continue and which ones stop. Remember, God gave Eliakim the key to open the doors that no one could close, and to close doors that no one could open. Um, as an aside, I, I, I one time asked an older relative about my past, and she said to me, Honey, all the men in your family were either preachers or moonshine runners or both. And so, 
for, for me, it was actually pretty clear what I wanted to remove and what was worth holding on to in that. Um, but man, I'll, I'll tell you now, and don't miss this, when I look at my family's history, um, I see my dad. And it is so incredibly clear that he put a stop to a bunch of just gnarly things in our lineage. And he also gave life, brought newness to a whole set of redemptive things. Um, in other words, he's the key holder. Like he opened doors that couldn't be then closed and he slammed doors shut that could never be reopened. My dad, he, he changed the generational legacy. And what I'm saying is that's the power of a peg in the wall. That's what it means to be the key holder. So I, I, I want to encourage you to consider looking at your past and very intentionally drawing some of those lines. And you know, Shebna had the chance to do this, but he blew it because of pride. But Eliakim, he saw it through and, and he did it. So, as we move to Selah and we have time to reflect, um, if you're a father, I mean, think about this. Let, let yourself feel the weight of this responsibility and the burden of, of being the key holder, of having the power to open and close doors for your family, for your children, to feel the weight of being a peg in the wall, your, your, glory's fa- your family's glory hanging on you. Feel that weight. But then at the same time, I want to encourage you uh, to remember that ultimately only Christ is the one who can ever place you as a peg in the wall. He's the one who holds you secure in the wall. And and so you don't don't have to be perfect, um, but you do have to be humble. And you have to submit everything ultimately to the ultimate key holder, to Christ, to our Savior, the one who loves you, and loves your family more than than even you do. He's the one who will hold you fast if you will let him. Um, And I know that's a big if. I know that's a big if. But man, if you do, if you do, you and Jesus will bring glory to your offspring. You and Jesus will open doors for your family that, that cannot be closed and you will open doors of, of freedom and possibility and you will close doors of heartache and, and generational frailty that has plagued you uh, across the generations. You and Jesus can open them and the gates of hell can't close them. And what you and Jesus close cannot be opened by anyone else. Um, and so as we move to Selah, uh, we're going we're gonna to reflect on this together. Um, and let me just get us started in that prayer here together. Um, Lord, we thank you for the role of Father. We thank you uh, that we can hold the key that opens and closes doors, uh, that, that, that we can be a peg in the wall from which our family hangs. And God, uh, please give us, uh, by your grace alone, give us the strength to be that peg in the wall and to to wield that key well. And at the same time, uh, give us the wisdom to rely upon you for absolutely all of it. Amen.